that's it. early in this episode. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for the forthcoming clap uh, best of episode. Yeah. We like to make jokes at the beginning of our episodes about things that we do just right before the beginning of our episodes. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Owns. It's worked for us thus far. And why the heck should it we has. change it up? There's been a gap of time since we've spoken. I, I missed you. There has, you know, and, and I think it was just that Kate and I needed some time to get over how the episode, or I should say the season... Right into it. <laughs> ...did not end the way that we wanted it to. Have you gotten over it, Micah and Kate? Yeah, I, I, I have. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've oh, moved on. I've, I've moved, I've moved on. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's more to life, yeah, than, than the ending of season four. I, <laughs> not much I know more. we are on a Game of Thrones podcast, right? but... No, I'm feeling good about it. I wonder if our listeners listening as listeners do, have had a chance to come to terms with the finale like we have. It's been eight days, I guess, now since our last episode, and I feel like we've properly allowed it all to sink in. I think to some that extent. we are in a good position to go over some things that we, we might have missed last time. And, uh, and then I think Micah and I probably need to have a little bit of a vent session. Here's the thing. I, I think that if we had tried to do that in some respect last week, it probably wouldn't have been as well thought out. And I'm just assuming that, that it will be well thought out. And I don't know that <laughs> it will be. We certainly hope so. <laughs> but uh, that's where Kate can help me out. But mm-hmm. you know, I think you know, sometimes you got to let the emotion subside a little bit and, and think through things. It doesn't mean that we're going to be in complete agreement uh, with what the show decided to do, because obviously it was just huge, huge um, blowback from social media right. and so many places online. And I'm, you know, we'll get into more detail about this later, but when, when you have something like this happening, my, my biggest concern is that you take an episode, which was just completely epic. Everything that happened in it was amazing. And for the people who read the books, the problem is now that this episode becomes known for what it didn't include as opposed to what it did. And I think that that is a, that's a big problem. If, if you think about the scale of this episode and all the things that happened in it, and yet here we are at the end of the day, kind of nitpicking a little bit, it's tough. I mean, you don't want to do that with a show that you care so much about, especially for the finale. I will say that there's been things that have been obviously uproared about in the public over the past several seasons. But like you're saying, in an episode so grand in many different ways, it is kind of disappointing to see uh, such a large takeaway um, be something of disappointment. And so I hope, not knowing what's coming forward or, or what you guys are specifically talking about, other than a few initials that have been tweeted toward us 70,000 times in the past nine days. Uh, I hope that it's at least included in the next season. And I hope that this is something that if people love it so much remains part of show canon. I'm actually, I'm super glad that we're not, um, as Micah said, having this conversation last week, because I feel like I was kind of shouty last week because I felt very (laughs) strongly about the fact that it had been left out. And I felt so strongly about all the things that had gone in and, and changes and everything. And I feel like maybe this is just my imagination, but I feel like my my contribution to the last episode of our podcast was me just shouting things that happened <laughs> during the show. That's pretty much like yeah. 45 minutes it. to an hour. Like, Tyrion! I feel like we've all shouted that at one point. <laughs> I, I, I definitely have, yeah. You know, we are talking about things left out of uh, last week's episode. We should mention uh, Owens will be on this episode as well. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yay. 
Yeah. We we have the much awaited long eager eagerly anticipated uh, owns from all of all of you on our various social um outlets that uh we you guys saw the timestamp last week. Uh you understand why we had to push them off, but uh, but those are coming for sure. And at some point we should really think about getting together our owns of the season. I'm sure everyone saw on Twitter yesterday or Facebook where we actually said this is going to be the first moment in our show's history where we step forward and do a segment that has anything that has happened past the show. So we're both equally parts anxious and excited to continue further. What you just heard were the sweet sounds of the Game of Bones time machine. How was that? <laughs> that was good. I mean, I, I didn't go anywhere. I just stayed here. So did Kate. Yeah, uh, it was wonderful. It was time. It, it moved at approximately 1.0 times the normal speed for us. Oh, okay. But for you guys, you got to, to jump right into the future. We don't have time machines or jetpacks in real life yet. Sorry about that. It is 2015, so... Flying cars may be out anytime. <laughs> We're placing the segment that they just recorded toward the end of our episode, so you will be very safe to listen to the rest of this. I'm very jealous. And Eric and I were texting each other during and throughout and uh, explaining our jealousy to each other. I hope that you guys had fun. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun actually. Yeah, it's a good it's a good segment. If you're if you're wondering whether you should listen to it, don't listen to it. <laughs> But then, if you're pretty sure you should listen to it, then yeah, you should listen to if it. If you've read. Mm, yes, mm. if you know. Or if you just want to be spoiled and don't care. Uh, if you want to be spoiled to with a really killer discussion, by the way. Absolutely. Chronologically, to in a non-chronological matter, right? We do, before we boldly go to where this show has not gone yet, we go to where we have familiarly gone and it's time to read your own. That was terrible. I broke down. I like the, the word familiarly. Like, and it's time to read your own. Familiarly? Familiarly. Familiarly. So where do we start other than the beginning? Well, the that's finale a very good place to start. was snowy and cold. And Marla Jo Kelly sent us an own on Facebook. She said, my own goes to Mance and John for toasting Egret. I know you guys grew to hate her, but I will be an Egret slash John Shiver till the end. I'm just a romantic like that it was a pretty boss thing to do he totally darth vadered her would you like to elaborate I don't on hate that Egret. yeah that's how that's how luke skywalker <laughs> gets um that's that's just how you do it with the that's the jedi way is is cremation right the funeral pyre gotcha gotcha lord denethor as well <laughs> set a fire in my flesh of course speaking speaking of that scene i i i do wish john had stayed a little closer for a little bit longer i wanted to make sure there was no egret corpse rising out of the uh, the flame that would have been badass <laughs> that term kissed by fire that the wildlings use mm-hmm. like you set her on fire and she like rises oh so cool <laughs> taylor moore also talks about Stannis and she says Stannis's army owned that was some precise riding formation it really was indeed watching the scene and going back and rewatching the episode I feel like I've had some proper time to allow the directing and some of the more technical stuff set in because I feel like we were distracted by so much when it happened and and that's kind of the point obviously but like this show does a really great job of even the small little tiny shots that you see. Like when it's the wide shot of the the soldiers fighting the wildlings in the forest. I mean, these are like picturesquely designed. Like there is, there's no unused space in, in these shots. And I just, I feel like Alex Graves in this episode, particularly with a lot here in the beginning, you know, with John and Mance and then obviously with Stannis and Davos riding in, there's so many like really, really incredible examples of badass looking shots. It's like mathematically per- perfect. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read, speaking of Stannis's army, our next Facebook own is from Amanda Porter. And this is cracking me up. 
one of Stannis's knights owned Leroy Jenkins the Wildling <laughs> when he tried charging at Stannis. Let's do this. Which is when <laughs> Stannis is like approaching John and Mance and the Wildling comes out of nowhere and that knight just walks, like just rides by like it's yeah. no big deal, cuts mm-hmm. down the Wildling. But I love, I love Leroy Jenkins the Wildling. <laughs> There's like a guy back in the camp. He's like doing a number crunch before he runs out. And he's like, I think if you run fast enough, you can kill at least Stannis. It's like, that's what John was going to do. Fine. Just the shot where John is walking out of, you know, through the wall. And they sh- it's like that overhead shot. Oh, yeah. You see all the bodies that are just strewn along the snow there. I thought that was that was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right. Like when you when you look back at some of this stuff and it's not just like that first watch through instant reaction, you get much better appreciation for just the level of detail that's put into it. Agreed. I, I do have to say I like this other own um from Dave Clark on Facebook who says, um, and this obviously is going a little bit later on in the episode, but Sandor versus Brienne was like listening to Venus and Serena Williams go head to head. I actually True. listened back after I read some of these, and a lot of people said stuff like that. It was like a very violent tennis match. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna. Say, I, I first, you, I thought you were gonna say you actually went to listen to uh, some. <laughs> yeah, no, I compared them going head to head. Yeah, no, no but the uh, you're right. I mean, the the Arya and the Hound and the Brienne and the Hound scenes did get a lot of the owns, um, even on Facebook. Uh, including this other one, uh, it's a little rough. Uh, Caesar Hatami says, "Falcon kick gets my own." Yeah, the hound giving uh, <laughs> Brianna. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a well placed foot, but um, it looked painful. I think in an interview that we posted on Winners Coming today, uh, Roy McCann, who portrays the hound in the series, said something like, "On set, they were referring to it as the fufu kick." So I guess that's what a fufu <laughs> is, everybody. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> well, I guess it's only appropriate I take this own from Ron Mosca, who says, My own goes to the butcher's boy for sticking up the hound saddle. <sighs> I feel so much more appropriate to talk about the hound stuff now with, with Arya. Like, I feel like we've, we've had the proper time to, to let it course through our veins. And after mm-hmm. about four times watching Rory McCann pleading with Maisie Williams as Arya, the pain is gone. <laughs> when we were deciding how to properly approach his curtain call on when it was coming this week, it was met with, in my mind, I was just like, no, we can't actually do a curtain call because this guy isn't dead yet. Because we didn't see him die on screen. And I know that I said I wouldn't accept it last week. I'm still not accepting it now. Uh, we had a comment section just become a full wall of Rory McCann appreciation threads. And I think it's, it's, it's really cool to see. Like basically everyone's quoting shit. They're saying like, fuck water, fuck the king. It's like a celebration. And it just became like a list of this guy goes, get hype. Rory infused tenderness into his growls, bitterness into his tears. His burned face makeup wisely did not detract from his acting, but enhanced it. <laughs> so the comments are, are are pumping, right? Everyone's missing Rory. Everyone's scared that this guy who's been that makes me feel better. Shows in season one, he may have not only gotten a death that was not on screen. But he may never be with us again. Kevin commented on the post. He said, if I see a curtain call for Rory, I'm going to have to eat every fucking chicken in this place. (laughs) (laughs) And chickens were eaten. I saw I saw some interview with Rory where he was he was asking, like, who who from the show would be your best friend? And and he said, like, Braun, obviously. (laughs) And then um, he goes, if the hound were ever to be imprisoned or executed, I can't remember the question. What would his crime be? And Rory said eating all the chickens in Westeros. 
<laughs> oh, That's you see, good. we can meet the sadness with happiness, right? Yes. And you know, one of the things that if I've learned anything about doing Game of Bones, it's that even if a character does not show up on screen, doesn't prevent them from possibly getting an own in here, there, edgewise from right. certain uh, listeners and or participants in our yeah, weekly owning game. Uh, for instance, Doug Clayton, this is apparently a thing with him, we have to watch out for this guy, says, as usual, my own goes to an animal in the show. <laughs> Brienne and Pod's ponies, who I imagine were hiding behind a rock, giggling uncontrollably whilst they shared a delicious piece of three-week-old <laughs> direwolf bread. Mm. Hashtag, leave the saddlebag, take the bread. Yeah. So, ponies... I guess, who were hiding behind Sounds her. Sounds like a country song. Gotta Leave know. the saddle bag, take <laughs> the bread. I like that. Or at least country music lyrics. This next own comes from someone who actually sent us an email about our uh, spoiler segment, Nick oh. Nicoletti. And I remember because it's a fantastic name, as Micah will later Sounds point like out. Sounds like they should be a, like a broadcaster. Right? Nick, Nicoletti. Nick Nicoletti, welcome. Yeah, Tell your father I'm here. Tell your father I exist still. I'm alive in your hearts. <laughs> Thank you, Micah. <laughs> you, you heard it, so welcome. Uh, so Nick Nicoletti's own, uh, he says, Drogon owned that three-year-old girl. Oh, that scene. Can we talk about how convincing this man was as a very oh, sad. sad person? Yeah, very sad person. Sad. Check. Incredible, incredible casting. I just, I can't believe someone had the gall to, to put that, to make that a known. Like, yes, yes, Drogon did own that child. I think he got a bunch yeah. of likes on that. Do we know if that's, if that's true, though? I mean, again, remember uh, that Daenerys is not uh, living amongst the most trustworthy of people there. Not to say that I don't believe this person, but... Did he set his three-year-old girl on fire and then take it to... No, but who's to say it's even his child? Uh, He was acting so well, though. Did you see the disdain and sorrow in his face? Yeah, they had a Miranese casting call. Yeah, they did. Who wants to dupe the queen? They're like, we need some Miranese folk. He's like, oh, I was born for this. (laughs) Drogon got his two brothers, right, punished. Mm-hmm. For something that he did, basically. Classic yep. sibling behavior. <laughs> right? He's an oldest for sure. Drogon is the one that is so reminiscent of Balerion. And I feel like since his size, when compared to the other two dragons, is so large, and obviously mm-hmm. we've seen throughout the past two seasons as they've done their little cuts here and there, I feel like they've been on a CGI basis building his character up until this moment. Like that's some character development we normally leave out, but they've been pretty obvious about how Drogon is the oddball of the bunch and who's going to kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. I think the dragons have a lot of um, symbolism in regards to her storyline. I think that um, we may have covered this already. It's been basically 10 years since we recorded our last episode. It has been. So <laughs> the symbolism that she can't, she cannot actually control everything that she thinks she can. Um, and she can't keep things from being chained down. And she can't free whoever she wants because there are unintended consequences to her actions. Um, and I think that right now, anyway, in the show, those, the, the dragons are sort of representative of the limitations and the challenges that she's experiencing trying to be the, the queen of this region. Right. But Drogon being murderous at this point, you know, he's, he's now killing people, which is a little rough. It's um, a bit rough. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're, uh, if he's, if he's killing and presumably maybe even eating people um she's gonna she's gonna have uh, some some pretty serious consequences on her hands and she better figure out 
what the hell to do. I just feel like it was kind of a, a different move for the show to leave Daenerys on such a, a lighter season ending note than they have in the past. It's interesting to see all the weight get, get put on so many other storylines. I know we were just talking about Brienne and the Hound and their fight. I feel like just from what I've read from reactions online and, and commenters on the website, like people are, are really seeing that sequence as one of the, the, the weightier parts of the finale. You know, like it's, mm. it's carrying more discussion and carrying more excitement and more love from the fans and reminiscing and seeing how things were uh, than a lot of things. I mean, even more than this Daenerys scene. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like that she had a lighter ending. Um, and it shows, you know, what was the, the very last scene, wasn't it? Um, her being carried around Misa, Misa last season. Right. Um, and, and so, I mean, the people loved her and she was their savior then, but, but now it's sort of all gone wrong. Um, you know, and we found that there's matters of state, matters of infrastructure that she's got to figure out. And it's, so, so it's kind of like everybody hates Daenerys, you know, it's just like everything's going wrong. And so it's, you know, as a character, I don't think she's anywhere where she can't recover. She's had worse. Right. I like that. It's not just that, that everybody there isn't, you know, kissing her feet. Exactly. Um, and she's, she's got some real hardship and that'll make her grow as a character and a ruler and, and it'll ultimately influence how successful she is out West, I'm sure. When you guys say that this has been a lighter ending for her, what exactly do you, because I, I interpret her dragon killing a little girl and then having to chain down her other two children while they scream behind right. her. That doesn't seem too, that doesn't seem light to me. That seems pretty heavy. <laughs> well, in the past we've had obviously the hatching of the dragons and, and right. the, the funeral pyre. And then we had post house of the undying um, sure. things in cars with Zaro and one of her own hand, handmaidens. And then obviously last season we had more dragons. We had ships, we had the taking over of a few places and then ultimately ending in a crowd surf and some epic music. Now, right. you know, she's not bookended anywhere near the end of the episode. You know, she's put before the Brand and Hodor stuff even happens. I see. She's not. So you're not saying she, what you're saying is she's not like the, the final moment, like the the big, crazy hurrah moment. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, in a way. And I feel like, you know, obviously this is a, a much more dramatic turn than what we're used to. It was hopeful in a lot of different ways. Every single time before we had the dragons happening. We had her finally getting ships and money and gold and doing bad things to people that were mischievous toward her. And then the season previous to this one, we had, you know, a record victory and crowd surfing, you know? So I just feel like now we're seeing drama and sadness and it's going to be really interesting how we transition to the next season with her, because I feel like in a way, barring the stuff we saw at the beginning of Marine when she was taking over, we've kind of been shorted out almost and, and getting more perspective on what exactly is happening in that city and what sort of tribulations she's going to be facing within that city. You know, like maybe a shot or two of the commotion at yeah. the community centers would have helped a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And I mean, we also have the breaking up of her council, you know, Jorah's being, being sent off. And even though I think you know, we can all agree that the way that Barristan did it was, was, I don't know, pretty cool coming to him first and all that. He still did it and Jor was still sent away and really didn't, wasn't even close to being successful at sort of arguing his own side of things. And so he was sent off and now it's like, well, how can Danny rule with, I mean, it, it just kind of seems one-sided now, her advice, her counsel. And I think that, I'd, I mean, I'd like to see a, a Jorah, you know, reunion sort of thing, but it's going to take some time and he's going to have to do something big, I think, to win her back. I hope it happens. Or maybe not. Yeah. It might be, it'd be cool to see Jorah 
interact in other parts of the stories if we, as we start to see other things to come together, like with John meeting Stannis and Melisandre oh, eye raping John across the fire, you know, stuff like that. It's really, I, I don't know, it's heating up. Imagine like Jorah reclaiming his space at Bear Island. <laughs> we, we talked a lot about epic moments from this episode, and and I think that you know, surprisingly, one that that can easily get glossed over is what happened to Tywin. <laughs> No, I, I mean, in an episode that just had so much happen, I mean, you lose right. one of the most powerful people that's playing this game. Yeah, this is a huge in, deal. In a mm-hmm. matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyrion gets freed, he runs up, he kills Shay, he kills Tywin, that's it. It's over. It's it's literally not more than maybe five or seven minutes, and it's, it's amazing. I, I need an episode 10 from my episode 10. <laughs> they were talking about how episode 10 was more like an episode 9 but I need an episode I need another episode to be like to just breathe to, to exhale from that and right. I'm sure I'm sure the next uh, premiere will just be crazy you know new information everything just picking right back up I don't but. know I mean I don't necessarily see it that way I mean it could be somewhat removed timing wise from the mm-hmm. events that happened at the end of this season that would be interesting uh, and so I mean, I, I think uh, Louis Philippe, right? Pylon. I, I feel like if that's how I say his name, then it's got to be like Pylon. Pylon. Right? His own uh, goes to Tywin for owning a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> and in parentheses, he says, see what I did there? We see what you did, Louis. We see what you did there. Mm-hmm. So he owned and was owned by a crossbow. I feel like we've had the proper amount of time for this to set in. I know that when we were recording last week's episode, we were just like, guys, Tyrion has murdered people. Yeah. Not only has he just murdered mm-hmm. people, he's murdered Shay, and he's murdered Tywin. And I know that we we sort of touched on some of the the changes that the show approached Shay's situation with, particularly. But people are m- kind of mad about it. People are are kind of mad, and and I see the direction that the showrunners took with how they handled Shay with. Less of her being an uninterested person like she is in the books, more of her actually being in love with Tyrion. So this was very much a crime of passion when the murder actually took place. Uh, But in the books, you guys have painted a different story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in the show, it's more about the relationship uh, between Tyrion and Shay. And I think that's the way that it had to go because as viewers, I think you become a little bit invested in what's happening between the two of them because for Tyrion, it is a point of happiness. One of the only points of happiness I think he has uh, in his life, really. And in the books, it's really the opposite. I mean, in the books, Shay is exactly what Ty- Tywin makes her out to be. And mm. that's a whore. Right. And, and, and she's in the situation that she's in because it provides her a means to an end. And in the show, I think it's much less of that. I, I don't, it's, it's more Tyrion pushing her away because he realizes what it is and what this could really become and he knows that the more she stays closer to him the more likelihood it is that she's going to um end up hurt or dead and i think in the book it's it's less of that it's it's more like she plays him i i at least that's always been my interpretation mine too Mm. oh there's no profession of like love from shay all through the book really um she's she's clearly into what Tyrion gives her but She's she's a mercenary, just like Braun. You know, she's she's gonna be sold to the highest bidder. And it what sucks is that, you know, 
he loses Bran and Shay for such similar reasons. For the sake of time, because we know so many of you are looking forward to the very end of this episode when certain things are spoken of, I believe it's appropriate to pivot toward a section that features you, the listener, discussed by Eric in Eric Skull reads a tweet in however long it takes him. Tell your father I'm here. <laughs> Oh, Rita says, Owen goes to Mance Raider for drinking for the fallen of both sides. Hashtag my people have bled enough. Yeah, they have. Too there much bleeding. Mance represent. Lots of bleeding. Brendan, uh, Mance Bre- Radar. <laughs> they poured one out for the homies. <laughs> they did. Mace Brandon Radar. Glenn, Aria, quote, you can shit later, there are people coming, end quote. That was amazing, yes. It was. <laughs> Very good. It took me a while, D. too. Mary D. Varys, about to go back to the Red Keep, hears the bells tolling and it's all, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn yeah. around now. Ben Flood agrees. Owen goes to Varys for realizing that Tyrion is the horse to back and orchestrating the escape. Mm. Yes. Jasmine Townsell says, at least your boy Micah got another shout-out. <laughs> Always get shout-outs, Micah. <laughs> yep. You smell like hold. dirty saddle. The hound is gone, so that leaves what, Arya? Yeah. For, for future shout-outs? Yeah, yeah, yeah future shout-outs so. for Micah. I knew a yeah. boy once. Me too. Megan Bond, I have to agree with this one. The children owned this episode by cooking up some of the best barbecue I've seen. (laughs) Those fireballs were awesome. Hashtag burnt skeletons. Yes. Hashtag crunchy. Mm, Delish. How about how about burnt Jojen? Oh, that's that's where the barbecue comes from. Too soon. You need meat for barbecue. But note to self, I will research heavily the hashtag crunchy and its use across the internet later. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Sullivan says Danny got owned. Even though she doesn't want people owning people, she was forced to let people own people. Hashtag own. Meta of you. Then, of course, we have an own that's that's straight for uh, Mike and Kate's segment. Is it bad that everything great about this episode is overshadowed by my rage at them leaving out the epilogue? Why? No. No. It's okay. We're going to talk about it shortly. Yes, <laughs> well, we absolutely will. Judith Garber says, "My own goes to the poor wildling soldier who tries to assassinate Stannis." Let's uh, let's, admit, let's 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 go over this. The poor wildling soldier who Leroy. wants to assassinate the king, okay, and gets cut down. Good effort, buddy. Yep. <laughs> poor guy. You know what side she's on. Good try. Good effort. Yep. Yeah. A plus. For sure. for, we'll buy Jesse. To Stannis, uh, Owen goes to Stannis for finally doing something pr- productive and acting like the one true king he claims to be. The menace. Mm. How about that? Mm-hmm. He stood up. He said, I'm the king. <laughs> Travis Cole. <laughs> Maybe you guys can help me with this pronunciation. My Go own it. goes to Arya for straight leaving the Zoo D there to die like a straight OG. <laughs> zoo as in Z-H-O-U space D. Is that supposed to be Zahound? The Zahound? Yeah, dude. The hound. The hound. Okay. The hound is coming. We have an interesting question here from Carolyn J. Is it just me or was the Brienne hound fight strangely erotic? Ooh. It's were... just you, babe. Just they you, babe. Were quite the match for one another. <laughs> question mark. Oh man. Oh wait. Oh wait. Travis Cole. It's not too late to write in and correct yourself. Travis Cole wrote in with the spelling correct and said, "Damn it, I meant hound." Oh. Okay. Still too excited for the finale. Okay. okay. When you say OG in a tweet, we just assume that everything else doesn't need to be spelled correctly. Exactly. Because that's that's the original gangster. You're clearly speaking in slang that is way too cool for us to understand. Yes. Uh I know, I know. I love slang. Carolyn J. owned to Rohan for saving the day north of the wall. Oh, sorry, wrong story. (laughs) The beacons have been lit. Um, Death! (laughs) No! 
<laughs> I am no man. Emily says, also, Danny was once again not the Misa we were looking for. Oh, oh Danny. Carolyn J. again says, oh, Bells of the Red Keep for scaring away the spider. Not a small thing for such a focused individual. Good on. I like yeah, that is play. good. Irv Hodgenstone. Irv. 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 Tweety Bird. Irv says, my own goes to David and Dan for leaving me clueless about what to expect next season. Mm-hmm. Which That's is exciting true. and also it is a terrifying. a big old question mark. Hashtag read the books or listen to us. Yes. <laughs> or do both. Or both. We got three more us. here, guys. Three yeah, more for this segment. Okay. Friend Shizzle. Friend Shizzle. <laughs> at Big Mine Red Nizzle. Ninja. Big Mine Red Nizzle. underscore Ninja on Twitter. Good. My own goes to Brienne for Mike Tysoning the Hound by oh. biting his ear off during the epic fight scene. That was a good mm-hmm. snap. Also for Arya and the Hound, Leo N says, my own goes to Arya for walking away from the Hound as he begged for death. Come back. Jasmine Marie says, my own goes to the Stark children. They've gone through hell, but just keep on swinging. Good job, Stark children. Finally, for this segment, we're gonna end with Borden, Uh-oh. who says to the children of the fucking that was Eric's goal. Read the tweets in. However long it took him or... Daddy will float around here. <laughs> Again. Twice. <laughs> oh, no, wait. He's dead. I think we've found Kate's funny bone. Uh, <laughs> oh, the it's ghost of over his past. Mike is always so serious. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, he has nuggets. He lets them out sometimes. Well, we, oh we thank all of you for being with us. I know that it's eight days since our last episode, and your owns have finally made it into your listening ears. We can't thank you enough for joining us and owning along with us during this past season. It has been a blast. Has it been monumental as well? I was going to say that originally, yeah. but I thought it might have been too much. Monumental. No, Super monumental. monumental. Zach, no, I've got a question. As, as someone who's new to the show, what mm-hmm. is our plan going forward? Well, I think next up, we're focusing all of our attention on gathering these owns of the season. Mm-hmm. Yes. That warrants mm-hmm. an episode of its own. Yeah. So on our next episode, we will be gathering what you guys send us as your owns of season four. And I know that there's a massive amount of subject material to pull from, and there are many different ways you can be interesting and clever in your own. So we will be expecting to see plenty of those on Facebook and Twitter and, and from email. I, I think we can all agree this was the craziest season yet. I mean, everything that happened, even like in odd comments, odd jokes somewhere in episodes one, three, or five, uh, could easily be the yeah. own of the season if you were so inclined. There were plenty of what the fuck salami in, in, in season four. Lots of those. And who doesn't remember Lamy? Who doesn't remember the Lamy? That's the thing yes. about the owns of Lots the season. Lots of one liners. So. Yep, yep, lots yeah. of one-liners. Also approaching, we have LeakyCon next month. It's at the very end of July, very beginning of August. We are super excited to be in attendance. This will be our second ever live show, and it'll be the four of us. We'll all be there, hugging each other throughout the whole show. So it's That's true. all we do. We don't talk. We just hug the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And we're also bringing weapons with us to threaten the sound people, so it's going to be crystal clear and, and I'm not amazing. bringing any weapons, LeakyCon. I thought Please you were bringing weapons. In. Not bringing any weapons. You said you, you were going to bring weapons. You guys are going to have to bring me an extra weapon. You know, poison is a woman's weapon. <laughs> <laughs> what about poison steel? Yeah, she said she was going to bring a dirk dipped in manicore venom. Is what she said. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so look forward to that, people. Yes, uh, more information can be found uh, on our social media and or leakycon dot com. So uh, now, please uh, prepare yourselves for a espresso presentation from espresso. Kate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An espresso Kate presentation. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap this is it oh can i sit in i want to sit in you cannot you guys are no. getting the f out of here yep i hope you guys have fun would you just remind the string guy to play at the end 
Uh, so yeah, and yeah. the heavy metal guys to kick in right after. Yeah. Plays. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> You're those. Cranking dudes in. it up. They don't yeah. have to leave the studio for this discussion. It's going to be fine. No, well, they're they're good. They've read the books because they, they're oh. responsible. We hired the right people. <laughs> so yeah, we'll say bye to all of you listening. Eric and I are stepping away because we are unsullied, and Game of Thrones is about to have our first ever spoilery discussion oh my god this is nerve-wracking please if you haven't read the books don't spoil yourself don't, don't listen do it. anymore we Find will get to it eventually in this off season slash on season yeah we're gonna read it you're, you're gonna get there it's gonna be better if you just read it in the book i hate to be the the guy saying that it's true though it's just better if you get there in the books listen don't spoil Kate. yourself but if you are gonna spoil yourself then please keep listening. Yeah, so hop right in and please enjoy the first ever Game of Owns. Uh, I don't even know what to call it because we don't have a name for it yet. Spoilers. I have a name for it. What is it? <laughs> it's the the sullied spoiler second with Mike and Kate. We'll, we'll find out whenever they speak. Uh, what you're about to hear is something that sounds cool. It's also the warning that if you keep listening, you're going to be spoiled. We love you. Have a great day. See you later, Bye. guys. So, Kate, uh, we have finally achieved our ultimate goal yes. uh, of getting rid of Zach. The show is ours! <laughs> I don't know if I believe Eric's actually gone. Let's do a test. Theon yeah, Greyjoy know. sucks. He's the worst. Oh, that's a good one. That's always a good test. Oh, yep, nothing. Yeah, I don't think he's there. Okay, finally, we can say what yeah. we really think. Spoiler time. In case it wasn't made clear enough, because I'm not entirely sure how Zach's going to edit this. Uh, this is spoiler talk. Me and Micah are sitting down with like hard, hard alcohol and, uh, and cigars. Like we're wow. having, we're having a grown ass discussion right now. We are. This is, uh, this is uncharted territory for this show. Uh, as, uh, Zach mentioned earlier, we've, we've never gone the route of spoilers mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we've, we've, done a pretty good job i would say over the last couple of years and even in reading the books not jumping too far ahead to the point of spoiling any of the listeners and so i do think it's really important if you have not read uh beyond book three and you do not want to know anything the likes of what we're about to discuss specifically what was left out of the finale of season four then we seriously recommend that you turn off uh the podcast at this point mm-hmm. or you jump ahead uh, to whatever um, the correct time code is right? Uh, because we do not want to spoil you and that's not our intention at all. But given the just the amount of w- w- just publicity that, that this got for something that didn't happen, I mean, it was amazing to see the response on social media uh, during the the finale, and then also to see all the articles that were written um, post season um, right. about this one character, and um, I think it's safe now to jump into it again. This yeah. is your final warning. Uh, you don't get any more warnings after this. This is this is the spoiler alert. Yeah, the sound the horns. Ow, 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 ow. Don't listen anymore. 
<coughs> Zach's not here d- to edit this crap out. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. This is unedited, and if you're doing so, you are doing so uh, definitely at this point at your own risk. Okay. So, um, Go. The, the missing character, of course, at the end of, of season four, uh, Lady Stoneheart. Lady and Stoneheart. She um, uh, was known in a previous life by another name. That's right. Ready? One. Uh, yeah, drop are, it? are we ready? Because this, this is a spoiler. Lady Stoneheart. I mean, people are like, ah, who's that? Right. What's her relevance? Right. Um, so, well, I've been know. telling people who ask. I've been telling them like they they have seen this name, Lady Stoneheart, which in and of itself is not a super big spoiler. But when they ask, I they're they're like, was this a new character? And I'm like, yes, because it it's kind of a new character. She's she's a new character, but then again, she's not. Yeah, exactly. And and I'll just I think probably the best way to introduce this and and for for book readers, I think part of the reason why they felt that this character was going to come into play was because at the end of season 3, we didn't see this this character. Mm-hmm. And I, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense because mm-hmm. you just had the red wedding take place and to bring back this character in in the following episode just wouldn't have worked. You needed some time. You needed to allow the viewers to kind of experience um some some lapse. You know, maybe you slowly forget about this character a little bit even though she's always there in the back of your mind, but then as season 4 came around and we had Sansa talking with Tyrion, I think it was even in episode 1 and she's recounting how uh, Rob was killed. She's recounting how Catelyn was killed, mm-hmm. specifically saying that she was thrown into the river. Right. Uh, and then throughout the entire season, I felt Catelyn was always mentioned in almost every episode. Oh, she was there. Interesting. Uh, I didn't catch yeah. that. It's, it's it's almost like they were dropping little nuggets, and then we got to the the season finale, and we didn't get. Any Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. So, so that was, I mean, I, I think you and I talked a little bit about that behind the scenes of last week's podcast. We were both kind of like, what in the actual effing crap is going on here? Why did they leave this out? Um, and I'm still pretty livid about it, but I've definitely calmed down. I've had some, some time to get some perspective on it and to think about it. Um, and the amount of, supernatural stuff that's gone on in the last two episodes for this being a relatively non-supernatural uh series it's it's kind of it's kind of a lot to be throwing at people to have this this political drama that and this this very sort of um down-to-earth fantasy if that's if that's the right way of, of describing it and then throw giants mammoths children of the forest skeletons rising up from the ground um, and the resurrected body of Lady Catelyn Stark, maybe a little much. Maybe it felt like it was going to go uh, to a weird place and maybe it crossed over into Walking Dead territory too much. Um, this actually, this is brought up by, there's a direct quote from um, Alex Graves, the director of The Children, in one of our emails, um, The uh, this, this one from uh, Ram Dent. Did you want to did you want to read this or do you want me to take it? You can take it. All right. I will. Um so Ram Dent says Not only was I bothered. Sorry. He starts out like this. <laughs> this was a fiasco. 
Not only was I bothered about the fact that it was cut, but that the anger about it being cut ruined the rest of the episode for me. I couldn't enjoy Arya's triumphant journey to Bravos because I was waiting for it to cut to a dark forest any second. Also annoying were Alex Graves' remarks. Quote, But to bring back Michelle Fairley, one of the greatest actresses around, to be a zombie for a little while and just kill people? It is really sort of, what are we going to do with that? Uh, end quote. I mean, come on. This Game of Owns episode sounds exciting, though. Book readers only. Wee! Thank you. It is exciting. We're very excited. Yeah, well, well, not not just book readers. I mean, that there will be a part of this episode where we go back <laughs> to Owns uh, right. for the for the season finale. But I think it raises a good point. I mean, it's what we were talking about earlier. You know, somewhat generically with Eric and Zach, that there's this feeling that because this was lacking from the episode, it really spoiled the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. that's what book readers were really looking forward to. They wanted to really see the reaction, I think, not only of the non-book readers, but just how, you know, everybody in general reacts to seeing Catelyn Stark come back from the dead, basically. And I think, you know, you brought up the point, maybe it's a little bit too much fantasy to be throwing people's way, but I would just say that they established this happening back in season three with including Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir right. and intentionally including the scene where he gets killed by the hound and then is brought back to life. So right. why not then continue uh, and include the Brotherhood uh, who of course comes across her corpse. And, and again, that was something that was not included earlier on in the season, you know, for book readers uh, you know, it's Nymeria uh, who who comes across Catalan's body in the river and pulls her out? Um, you know you're seeing this through Arya's perspective mm-hmm. as she's dreaming, and you you know you again are learning a bit more about the fact that not just you know Bran and John uh, have the ability to work, but also it seems Arya has that ability as well, and she thinks of it as a dream, a very odd dream. But you know then as she hears footsteps coming. Uh, or I should say the direwolf hears the footsteps coming. Uh, she she goes away and she runs away, but uh, we later find out it's the Brotherhood who who happened to cross Catalan and, and then bring her back to life ultimately. Right. In a, in a very weird zombie sort of way. Right. And I believe, I, I can't remember if it's explicit or not, but I think Beric Dondarrion gives his life to resuscitate her after yeah, being yeah. resurrected like six times by the Lord of Light. He just chooses, the Thoros refuses to do it, um, and Beric decides he'll do it, and then she ends up leading the Brotherhood without banners. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I think, you know, I don't know how zombie-like, in, in appearance more so than anything else for Callan, because she, she is brought back to life, but, you know, the, the fact that she has been in the water so long has kind of made her skin turn this milky color. Right, and her hair is her brittle throat. and white, right, and her half yeah, missing. And- Exactly. And her throat was cut so deeply that she can't actually speak. You know, had she not had not had that not been the way that she was ultimately killed, then she probably would have the ability uh, to to communicate with people. And she seems she seems to be able to in very soft tones, you know, to said, you know, right. She covers her throat, I think, and she's able to kind of repair her vocal cords enough to gurgle uh, because I know she speaks to Brienne at one point. 
So, you know, and, and this is a, this is a big scene, um, in the epilogue particularly yes. because it, it is all about retribution. It's all about, uh, her taking revenge, uh, not just on the phrase, but I think, you know, as we, as we progress throughout the series and, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but also anybody who's really associated with the Lannisters or the Boltons. Right. Or anyone she, she assumes to be. That's that's the interesting thing about Lady Stoneheart is there's no reasoning with her. She seems to if you are if you are remotely connected to the Lannisters and she remembers that detail about you, uh she seems it seems like she is she is going to try to execute you. <laughs> she she is on there's a scene in Tombstone, movie Tombstone where um uh, one of the characters is talking about Wyatt Earp to Doc Holliday, and he said, "Well, if if they were my brothers, I'd want revenge too." And Doc Holliday says, "Oh, make no mistake, it's not revenge he's after; it's a reckoning." And I th- <laughs> I think that that is exactly. I just watched I've, I've watched the movie like twenty thousand times. No big deal, but um, I think that's exactly kind of what what Catelyn Stark is going after. Lady as Lady Stoneheart, she's she's after an utter reckoning. She's down to take down these two houses. And the Game of Thrones doesn't matter to her anymore. Uh, whatever is beyond the wall doesn't matter to her anymore. This is all about avenging her family and kind of becoming like turning into her final form as a tiger mom, which she kind of always was. Tiger mom. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was. And I think that one of the things that I picked up on, and, and I could be wrong here, and, and I certainly don't know what direction the showrunners are going in, but the fact that uh, Brienne uh, came across Sansa in King's Landing and you know she's actually seen her mm-hmm. and and then they made a point of Brienne and the Hound doing battle with each other Brienne has now seen Arya uh we know that Brienne and Podrick come across Lady Stoneheart later on in the series so it it'd be interesting to see then if that's how they plan to write it so that Brienne has has you know, she's d- done her duty in part, but she hasn't been able to take them to safety. You know, she's, but she has come across both of them. And that may be setting things up a little bit better. Um, you know, it may have worked better for the show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that just one thing that came to mind. Yeah. And I've, I've been trying to figure out if they will at some point bring her back into the fold. Um, I feel like this was their, big opportunity to do so and maybe one of the things that I've enjoyed about the show um, especially in this season is their ability to subvert the reader's expectations and still give us something to look forward to which is fantastic usually I mean I guess I'm like I like it until I don't I like it until it's inconvenient for me Um, but in this case I, I I thought it's it's almost to me, to me, I think this is almost as upsetting as if, like, Rob had survived the Red Wedding or or Joffrey had never choked. Like, it's it's that big a plot point to me because, especially at the end of um, Game of Thrones, or rather, uh, Storm of Swords, the book, when this happens, your jaw just dropped. Like, the, the epilogue for this was so crazy. And you were like, how many more years do I have to wait? to read this next book oh yeah i just opened the next book many it was so (laughs) many i i think if there was uh, something ridiculous like five or six years between 
Storm of Swords and, and Feast for Crows, something crazy. Um, so that's, it was a perfect a cliffhanger. It was, it was like a, a fantastic cliffhanger to to be able to have to wait to see like what the hell is going on with this zombie Catelyn. Um, and the fact that they had such a perfect cliffhanger and they chose not to use it. I just have to assume they know better than we do. Uh, they got they got all this mapped out. They've got a grand vision. And something that you said earlier, actually, before the the filthy unsullied departed, was that um, it stinks that this great episode can be sort of um, tainted by the idea of what it was lacking rather than what it contained. And my only hope is that in once we are able to look back at this in the scheme of the entire show, we'll understand it. I actually, I have a great deal of faith in the showrunners. They've done a fantastic job, a wonderful adaptation. So I trust them. That's that's the the week of coming to terms and, and you know, being in the fetal position and rocking back and forth and um, wishing for yeah. zombie undead, <laughs> undead Lady Gatlins. Uh, that's that's kind of where I've arrived. It's just, maybe it's lame, but I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you guys, follow you to the end. We'll see, I, I we'll see think- what happens. I don't think it's lame though. I mean, I think, I think it's expected. I, you know, I personally, I don't really have much to say about how the last two seasons have ended. Right. I feel like they've ended extremely weakly mm. for a show that's only 10 episodes and occurs once a year. Sure. And that might be a pretty bold statement, but the Misa scene, um, or Misa scene from, you know, season three and then, uh, you know, Aria heading off to Bravos here in season four. Uh, I I don't, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't have the level of impact. If you would put Lady Stoneheart at the end of season four, that's a cliffhanger. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's like you said, it's a jaw dropper. It's, well, hold on a second. What the hell just happened here? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you leave people wanting something just like with the end of season two, right? With Sam and the White Walkers. Uh-huh. Th- that was a, that was an oh shit moment. Right. And I don't think Game of Thrones has done a very good job leaving seasons with cliffhangers heading into next season. Right. It's it's kind of like tied a bow around it. Right. And I, at least the last two seasons had. I think, you know, the dragons hatching was really cool in season one. Sam really cool with the White Walkers in season two. But season three and season four have not really delivered that that impact, that punch. And yeah, a ton of stuff happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll talk more about it. And I think Zach made a great point going back to the last episode. You know, even the stuff that happened uh, with Bran and, and and his his crew north of the wall would have made for a better end scene than what happened with right. Arya. Right. I just think it's too and, and again, I think okay, fine. Yeah, we're we're used to it. The, the, the kind of the tone of the show to, so to have an uplifting ending for game of thrones it just it doesn't always fit and again like to end the season on that note i just i just thought it was it was okay i mean it didn't it didn't really get me too excited right um i guess because we know we're we're still in our spoiler segment here we can maybe talk a little bit about aria she's she's got a very interesting future ahead of her. And I think that maybe that was why they ended it on that note. Like she's, it is a hopeful ending. She is sailing away to some unknown future. It's also terrifying. Like she's, she's a little girl. Uh, she's just watched her only protector 
fall down and get beaten to a pulp uh, and left him to die with bones poking out of his body. Um, and she has no family that she's aware of. And she's just like, well, this is literally the only place I have to go. Can you imagine? I can't imagine being 29 and doing that. That's terrifying to have absolutely nothing and know that if you go home, you're good as dead. Um, and so it, it is this very hopeful, it's a beautiful scene and the boat is gorgeous and they're the way it's filmed is this is this very epic feeling windswept thing, but it is yeah. very very frightening. Um, and so because because we know what's going to happen to her, she's she's got she's got some serious stuff on the horizon, and it's not none of it's good. It's very very cool, <laughs> but it's all very like sad it's, and dark. Yeah, it is. It's very dark, and I think that you, as I mentioned on the last episode, I, I think you're supposed to get a feeling for that. Now you have, because the, the scenes occur in sequence yeah. with Tyrion and Varys, and then also with Arya, that you now have are taking three major characters. Varys doesn't get as much screen time as the other two, obviously, but still a very, very important player in the game. And they're now shifting to a different part of this world in addition to Stannis now being in the north with Davos. Right. So, but but to have those back-to-back scenes of them sailing away, I thought it, it was impactful. But again, to end the season on that note, just, just for me, it didn't work. And that's fine. I don't have any problem saying that. I'm, I'm open to people, you know, sending in their feedback any way that they yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, Do you want to read some more? I we have a few these... more emails. Yeah. 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 Let's read some more. Okay, um, I'll grab this one. Okay. It's from Kim Gabrielson, and uh, she says, I think and hope uh, they will include her in the show. Uh, by fan reactions on her not appearing, uh, appearing, <laughs> appearing uh, David and Dan uh, got a huge hint that she is wanted, and I think that that's a, a great point that's mm-hmm. made there. Uh, Lena Hetty may have just been premature with her spoiler. Uh, she may have heard Michelle Fairley got the part as Lady Stoneheart in April. Yeah. So the spoiler being that that Lena Hetty had um, posted on Instagram a photo of a stone heart, um, and this was like right before the finale, I believe. Maybe maybe it was a little bit before, but everybody was like, "Oh, because she loves she's done this kind of thing before." There's a photo shoot with her and. And um, Pedro Pascal, where she's like pretending to gouge out his eyes, and so she she's got a history of liking to plant these kind of spoilers um, in in innocuous ways. She claims that she just thought the stone heart was very pretty, and she was drunk, and so she Instagrammed it, uh, which is possible. But then I guess she was on a talk show. I think she was on Kimmel. She had a great bit on Kimmel, um, but she had a shirt with a heart on it. And inside the heart, it said, I'm not sorry. <laughs> so wow. I was like, I feel like we're all being trolled hardcore by Lena yeah. Hetty, which is okay because I love her. Anyway, please yeah. continue. Yeah. So uh, she goes on to say, it would be very cool having a brand vision of her being dragged out of the river and resurrected by Beric. Mm-hmm. That could be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of hints throughout the season of hangings, phrase Lannister's That's Balkans. true. If if there's uh, just like whispers that that mm-hmm. these men keep showing up being hanged, that'd be pretty cool. Yep, I like that. Um, so that would build the tension. Uh, this gives the Brotherhood without banner uh, banners uh, something to do next season. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this gives Brienne and Pod something to do next season. Introduction uh, through familiar faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of goes to what I was talking about earlier. Uh, Jamie has a jetpack and can be where he is needed. <laughs> now that I would watch. <laughs> I, would um, watch show. I don't think it was invented quite yet. Um, <laughs> uh, if you think about it, she really has a few scenes and a feast for crows. And this is the more logical choice. Keep her in season five plus plus plus. Okay. Uh, and uh, not quite sure whether uh, they'll keep her at the end or if they want her throughout the season. Uh, sad to have season four end without her though so that was sent to us uh from kim yeah so, uh, that was thanks, that's kim. all terrific points actually um because kim is correct like we have very few scenes with her in feast for crows it's it's definitely uh she's she's put in as as a cliffhanger more than anything else um and to kind of establish that uh she's not out of the game yet um despite kind of having gone through this this gruesome thing, um, which is something that I always liked. In the book, anyway, there's a uh, there's no first-person perspective on her and Rob being killed at the Red Wedding. So for, for much of the book, after this happens, you hear it from other characters, you hear rumors of it, um, and you think there's no way that could have happened. All of this is exaggerated. Somebody got their facts wrong. And it's really cool. And so to to see this happen and and to discover that, yeah, in fact, this is 100% true. This is what happened. And also now she's been resurrected and there's some crazy, crazy shit going on with her. I don't know. It was cool. It was it was well done, in my opinion. Yep. Agreed. Okay. I'm going to read this next one from Frank Seitz. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh Game of Thrones sullied. What if they never show Lady Stoneheart? What is the plan going forward for Podrian? I love the show, but feel like the showrunners really stuck out with the conclusion of the Watchers on the Wall and the children. They should have ended episode 9 with Stannis and episode 10 with Lady Stoneheart and the Brotherhood Without Banners arriving after Brienne and the Hound fight. For the record, I am not a long-suffering book reader. I completed the series this year after starting it between season one and two. Love the podcast and look forward to the on-season. Any plan to go back and review season one? Well, let's address the first part of that. Um, What if they never show Lady Stoneheart? I think that this is a real possibility because of the the interviews with Alex Graves. Um, He said the, the quote that we read earlier um, and I feel I think there was a little bit more to to his defense of of why Lady Stoneheart wasn't included. He said he has been completely left out of the loop if she is supposed to be in the show at all. He claims to have begged and pleaded for that information and not been given it. Um, but the way that they have sounded so dismissive, they're like, "What are we even going to do with that? She's a zombie. She comes back to life and kills people." Like, <laughs> either this is an elaborate troll, or maybe they're actually considering not including her in the show. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the way that he says it is fine, but the reality is, think of all the stuff that is included in the show. So to to, to use Lady Stoneheart to do exactly what he said, which is kill people randomly, right? Um, even though, yes, there is purpose behind it, but her decision-making is also flawed, and we see that when she does try and kill Brienne uh, and Podrick. So right. I think that 
to me, there's a lot that's been put in place. I think the next email touches on it really nicely. Um, and we, we discussed some of it, like the Brotherhood Without Banners and Catalin being name dropped, saying that she was thrown into the river. There was no need to do that in this season uh, if you're not going to revisit that somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. And I think setting uh, Brienne and Podrick into motion, right, with both of her daughters, Sansa originally, and then Arya, uh, why make that scene happen with the Hound if not to somehow progress it forward in season five that they should come across uh, Lady Stoneheart. I think I like the idea though, that was brought up about, you know, slowly mentioning this subtly um, in season five about how they're finding these Freys or Lannisters or Boltons randomly hanging in different places throughout Mm -hmm. the North. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we 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 get an actual scene where, let's say, Brienne and Podrick happen upon, uh, you know, the Brotherhood and eventually Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. Oh. So we're we're holding out hope. It sounds like the official Game of Thrones line is we're hoping for Stoneheart. But to answer the question, if they never show her, I mean, then they never show her. There's nothing we can do as viewers. But I think at this point, there's been enough that's been said to. Mm-hmm make it clear that there are fans that really want her. I mean, this yeah. is not, this is not people clamoring for, for strong bell loss. This is, this is people <laughs> right. saying this is a pretty important character in the series uh, and we want to see her. Right. And hopefully they're able to make that happen. So this is, thank you very much for your email, Frank. And um, his question at the end there, any plan to go back and review season one? Um, should we bring that up with Eric and Zach? Once they've returned from their furlough. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that question is referring to specifically. I mean, season one, uh, we've done a commentary on it. So mm-hmm. you can go back and listen to that specifically. Oh, uh, there you I, go. I know I know. there's little new nuggets that obviously come with seeing new seasons that you can always go back to season one and review it and say, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that was there the first few times I saw it, but there is a, there's a pretty extensive commentary from last season um, that we did during the season uh, where all of our Wednesday episodes were season one commentaries. So uh, definitely give that a listen. And then of course we did go chapter by chapter through both uh, game of Thrones and a clash of Kings. So there are plenty of episodes to listen to. And we're, we're planning to continue that tradition with storm of swords starting next week. Is that the plan? Uh, we will wait and see. Okay, that we can revisit with Zach and Eric. Okay, uh, don't we'll, don't hold us. We'll put that hold us to put it. that question on ice. But I believe that is the direction we're going, and then uh, we'll have a whole different Lady Stoneheart uh, discussion. Yeah, we will. Um, um, you know, once we wrap up that book. So, you want to get this next email? Sure. Uh, next email is from Nick Nicoletti. It's a good name there. Yeah. Uh, says, hey guys, I just wanted to say that I strongly believe Lady Stoneheart will be included in the show because the show has already been building up for her arrival. Ooh. First, why I've been introduced Beric and the Brotherhood and show how Beric is revived by the Red God. They were planning to cut her. Beric's purpose in the book is to give his life for her return. Could they have been um, introduced just for Arya's story? Possibly, uh, but that arc only took up a couple of episodes. Uh, if they weren't important, they wouldn't be taking up precious airtime. Hmm, that's true. I agree with, Very I agree true. With that. Yep. Uh, second, the show went out of the way to make a point of the violation of guest rights. 
It showed Walder offer meat and salt to the Starks. Then in the finale, after the scene with Walder and Roos, it cut straight to Bran, who told the story about the violation of guest rights. He said that something the gods can't forgive. Ooh, okay. Okay. Again, again, uh, the show wouldn't have included this if it wasn't going to result in something down the line. I do hope season five ties up many loose ends in the Riverlands, the Brotherhood, the phrase, Lady Stoneheart introduction, Blackfish and Edmer, and also Harrenhal. Um, P.S. Just curious if you guys think the Greyjoy uncles will be in season five. Uh, we will see. I assume so. They're pretty heavy in in, in uh, book four. There's there's a lot of a lot of representation there. Yep, um, I think so. I mean, I think they're a major part of uh, the upcoming season just because they're such an integral part of a feast for crows. Right. So, yes. Uh, and maybe not all of the, um, gray joys will be included, but I think, uh, a good majority of them. So, right. There's, I feel like there's a lot of, it's been a while since I've read books four and five, but there's a lot of, um, the King's moot activity, uh, yeah. that the uncle's coming up to, to see who's going to be King next. So, and I think the well, Greyjoys has has Balin really actually died yet in this in this show. No, I haven't heard of it. I don't think so. I don't think he's dead. Um, so that could be an on screen thing. I mean, they we don't see it in the books. Obviously, it's word of mouth, but right. Uh, we do we do learn about it. Um, so yeah, just just be interesting to see if they they include that. So, uh, yeah, I think we have uh, one more email here, Kate. If you want to get it, and then uh, we can get Eric and Zach back in here. I yeah. think we discussed Lady Stoneheart to death. <laughs> to undeath. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, even better. <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay, so this last email comes from, uh, I, I hope I'm going to mispronounce this, either Rolla or Roya Adams, who says, I assume you will be discussing Lady Stoneheart. That is correct. We did. I feel that cutting her would make most of season three null. Why even introduce the Brotherhood and Theros of Mir? or even have Melisandre visit them. It just doesn't make sense. Then we have this director who does mention he hasn't read the books, just call her a zombie that comes back and kills people. That is not what she is doing. She is taking revenge that the Starks deserve on those who harmed and maimed their family. Thanks for covering this in this episode. All true. I think that's an excellent summary of our little Sullied segment. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it ties it, ties it, all together with a nice bow, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, these are all valid points. I, I, I would think that, you know, after after season three, uh, that it would all point to her being in season four. But now, with season four having passed, uh, I don't know that it, that it necessarily guarantees that she'll be in season five. Mm-hmm. But uh, who knows? I you know, it, it could all depend on her schedule too. And by her, I don't, I mean, Michelle Fairley, not <laughs> Lady Stoneheart. Uh, Lady Stoneheart's very busy. She is in 24, right? Hanging uh, fools. Or am I making that up? No, she is. Yeah. So she could have some scheduling conflicts and, uh, but I would, I would almost imagine that if they did want to include this character in the series, that she would definitely come back to do it. I right. Mean, she, she, everything that I've read about her and, and, her experience on Game of Thrones, she would easily, um, you know, want to come back and, and take on this role. Um, and so I'm looking forward to it. I, I think season five, I mean, if she doesn't show up in season five, write her off because she's not showing up. Yeah, then I agree. Moving forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that 
I like a lot of what uh, we've gotten here from some of the listeners theorizing about how they could kind of play her storyline up subtly throughout the early part of the season. And, and look, like going back to this season, episode two, they kill Joffrey. I mean, they could, they could drop a bomb at any moment. Um, let's, let's say in a year we revisit this segment and we figure out whether or not we were right to have high hopes for those showrunners. I think that's fair. This, this is, I've already come up with a title for this. This is the, Sullied spoiler second with Kate and Micah, or Micah, or Micah and Kate. It can be Micah. And it was Kate. it was more than a second, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was probably about like twenty five minutes. But that's I know, okay. Kind of took up half the episode with this. Eric and Zach are both asleep now. Oh uh, man! It was only right um, to 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 try and vent and go through the stages of grief with all of you. Yes, thank you so much for joining us for this. Um, and we hope that you liked it. This is great. Can we can we just do it? It is a huge relief to talk about this stuff. You have to keep it buttoned up so much on the show. And let me just go ahead and say, if I ever spoil anything on regular Game of Owns, it is so unintentional, you guys. I am never trying to... I, I think that, Micah, you do a little bit more of the foreshadowing, which I give major props to because I'm too scared to do it. I never want to yeah. spoil anybody for anything. So now this is a situation I'm in where I'm like, what if this happens with Bran? That, that, what that ends up meaning is that this hasn't happened with Bran in the books. So you know that like for the next three or four seasons of the show, this won't happen with Bran, which is its own kind of spoiler. It's amazing. Yeah. I can find anything to talk about. Yeah. It's, uh, it's difficult. I mean, for people, people always ask about it. Uh, and I think even people asked about it at the live show. It's, it's just hard. I mean, you know, you, you have to be so mindful of what you say in these situations because you don't want to spoil, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you want to tease a little bit if, mm -hmm. if you can do so without giving too much away. So I think that, uh, you know, f by and large, we've done a pretty good job uh, of not giving things away. And yeah. I, I plan to continue that. I mean, this, like I said, it was just a special uh, occasion and, um, We'll see if people like it. Maybe we'll look to do it very sporadically uh, right. as we move forward. Yeah. Let's get these guys back in here. Yeah. They were probably listening the whole time. I knew it. I should have sprinkled some more Theon abuse in there. Hey, guys, what did we miss? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk. And uh, we're back. Perfect. <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to be back here. Did you guys air out all of your grievances? Because, yeah, we feel, we feel much yep. better. Yeah? <laughs> yes. Good. Yeah. Good. Thanks for coming. What did you guys do? Did you did you talk about anything? Did you talk about how much it stinks to not read books? Eric and I played Words books? with Friends the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I got him with that's nice. with Jewel. I I got a lot of points in one. <sighs> it's that W, man. It's worth wow. four points, but you put it on like a triple word spot. It's, I don't know how you do that, man. Well, you know. It's called strategy. Mine needs books like a sword needs a whetstone, Eric. There you go. And, that's and a good quote. Is that is that with a with an H? Whetstone? Yeah. Yes. Whetstone. Yeah. Wet. Mm -hmm. Wet. You know what? I hear the um those guys we made up kind of antsy. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the strings and the uh Oh all the spoiler discussion <laughs> and all that spoiler oh, yeah. talk. They're nervous. <laughs> what happens is they sit here through the whole episode and they wait for us to finish. And so looks like they could use a soda or something and they're just nice cold they're pop. staring at us. Don't worry, there's a vending machine in their union break room. I think they're giving us they're giving us the cues. Yeah, they're trying to punch out is what's happening here. Um, we hope that you enjoyed the first time that ever happened, people. And we also hope that we will see you again on our next episode. We miss you. We will be speaking to you. Keep an eye out on our social channels. We're still figuring all of this out. Have a good day. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Ted, your father, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>